Hi there, I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 93. And today I want to tell you how we came to homeschool. Yes, our homeschooling story. And I'm going to tell you that story by sharing with you a few of my very early blog posts. Yes, I have a lot of blog posts hidden deep down in my archive. I've been blogging now for six years. And as I said in a previous podcast, my youngest daughter was about seven years old when I started blogging. She's 13 now, and most of my posts at the present time are about older children. But there's a lot of posts that I wrote in those early days about such things as learning to read and all the early worries that mothers have about children getting the basic skills. Also, there's a lot of posts about uh, unschooling, making the decision to unschool. So I hope that if I share this type of podcast every now and then that you will enjoy it. The reason I'm recording one of these blog post podcasts is because it is almost the official school holidays here in New South Wales, Australia. Yes, tomorrow my husband, Andy, who is a school teacher, will be on holiday for two weeks. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter. And as usual, over the school holiday period, I don't really get a chance to get to the mic and record anything. So I'm recording a couple of podcasts ahead of time just so that I have something to post because I've only just got back into the swing of podcasting and I don't want to disappear once again so quickly. I want to be more consistent. Yes, this is episode 93 and I'm going to share with you some of our early stories. How did we become homeschoolers? How did we become unschoolers? I'm going to give a little bit of commentary along the way, introduce each post. The very first blog post that I wrote on my Stories of an Unschooling Family blog is called Behind That Cream Front Door, a sort of introduction to my blog. I'd already been blogging on another blog from, I don't know, maybe just under a year, and somebody on that blog suggested that I write more about homeschooling because very occasionally I did write a homeschooling story but not very often and she said that it would be good if I shared a few more posts about that and I decided to do that by creating a whole new blog Stories of an Unschooling Family and that word stories I really wanted to share the unschooling message in a series of stories I think stories illustrate things very well because when I wanted to find out more about unschooling years and years ago when all my kids were very young, I wanted to know what it looked like. Now I'm aware that it looks different in every family. Unschooling in your family might not look like what it looks like in our family, but a story is a starting point. Yes, we can write about the theory of unschooling, but I think it's helpful to illustrate the principles of unschooling with actual stories about real people, real children. I hope you agree. 
So I wrote my very first blog post as a story. My very first blog post on my other blog was very boring. Sort of like, hi, this is my very first blog post and I'm going to be writing about. I hope you'll come along and follow along with me. Yes, very boring. So I tried something different for this one. Probably I'd go back and change it a bit if I was writing it again, but I'm going to share it with you as it is. But one thing you will notice is that at the time I had six children living at home. Both my boys were still living with us. These days I mainly write about my girls, but some of those early stories are about my boys. The other thing you will notice is that I talk about working on trigonometry. And yes, I will admit it, we never used to unschool maths. That was a development in our unschooling. I didn't let go of that for quite some time. So, would you like to hear my very first unschooling blog post? As I said, it's called Behind That Cream Front Door. If you take the north road out of town, the back road that climbs past tree-studded paddocks where fat black cows graze, and if you continue past the two holiday cottages that jut over the dam, you will eventually come to the road that leads up to our village. Drive up this road of gum tree tunnels and high rock cuttings where kookaburras chuckle, and you will soon arrive at the welcome to our village sign. A few turns and down a side street and there ahead of you almost kissing the bush is a light brick house with a dark brown roof. It's partly hidden by a garden of pitosporums and hebes and if you are lucky you may catch sight of a family of superb fairy wrens flitting in the undergrowth or perhaps there will be a cloud of butterflies surrounding the flowers. There is nothing unusual about this house, just a one-story brick house nestled among the gum trees in a village street. But inside the house, behind that cream front door, ah, inside is something more rare, a Catholic unschooling family. Go up to the door and knock. Do you hear the thud of footsteps? The door opens. A sea of inquisitive girls and cats crowd round the door. Come in. Am I interrupting anything? Nothing that can't wait. What a treat, a visitor. The kettle is filled and chairs are drawn up to the table. What have you been doing? Well, I have been working on my trigonometry. I've nearly finished the section. The oldest girl's eyes light up. I've been writing a blog post. I just have to scan my drawing of a dragon to add to the post. Then I can publish it. I've been cooking. I made those muffins. Mum's been reading to us. The book's about the Eureka Stockade. Do you know about that? Soon a huge discussion is underway and you add your bit. Two young men appear, lured towards the kitchen by the aroma of coffee. Are they unschoolers as well? No, but they were. The oldest has finished his Bachelor of Arts degree. The other is studying to be a nurse. Is this all of you, the whole family? Oh no, we have another sister and another brother, someone shouts. Five girls 
and three boys, adds the girl helpfully, just in case you're confused. Our sister lives on the other side of Australia, and our brother's in heaven. Muffins are devoured, coffee is sipped, and there are smiles and laughter, and joy and peace fill the house. This isn't just any unschooling family. This is my family, the Elvis family. I have some stories I'd like to share, stories of learning and growing and loving and living a life of faith together. I hope you will come in, sit down with your coffee and muffin, and join us around our unschooling table. Share our unschooling adventures, join in the discussion, smile and laugh. I hope we'll soon be friends. I hardly ever take the time to introduce my family. I forget about it. I assume that everybody has been following along with my podcast or my blog and already knows my family. I don't consider the fact that other people have joined us along the way. So yes, that story tells you that I have three boys and five girls. At the moment, I have five adult children and two teenage girls. The next story I'm going to share with you is called Undercover Homeschoolers. It tells the story of how I made the decision that we were going to be homeschoolers. Undercover Homeschoolers When I was a child, I loved playing school. Fortunately, I had two younger sisters, and because I was the oldest and the bossiest, I could order them to sit in front of my blackboard and be my students. Vicky, sit still and pay attention, I'd say sternly, waving my chalk in front of my poor five years younger sister. Now repeat after me. A is for apple. Vicky and Barbie would endure my games for a while, and then they'd dissolve into tears or start to moan, and my mother would come running. They're only little. Leave them alone. And then I'd be reduced to teaching the teddy bears. Years later, Vicky admitted she'd learnt quite a bit from those childhood games. And those school games couldn't have been all bad. Now she is a mother of eight, unschooling her own children. Surprisingly, I didn't become a school teacher. I became a scientist, and then a mother. But those teaching ambitions must have been lying there dormant, not dead, waiting. The year our eldest child, Felicity, turned five, I saw my opportunity. At that moment in time, all my friends were talking school. Where were we all going to enroll our children for kindergarten? I'm thinking about the Catholic school. But the public one is closer. What about you, Sue? Where are you sending Felicity? Well, um, I think I'll hold her back another year. She's not yet five. April birth, you know. Bit borderline. Probably better to wait until she's a little older. And my friends accepted that, and I kept my secret. My secret? My secret desire to homeschool. I'd thought about it carefully. I knew the possibilities. My mother was homeschooling my much younger brother. He hadn't settled well into regular school. I'd read up 
on all the rules and regulations. I knew how to get registered. I just didn't know how to tell my friends. I suspected they'd think me crazy. So I decided we'd be undercover homeschoolers. We would look like a normal, everyday family in public. But when no one was looking, we'd disappear behind the closed doors of our home and assume our secret identity, homeschoolers. Sometimes I wondered, what if my friends were right? Maybe I was a bit crazy. Could I really teach a child of my own? I questioned and answered myself. Who knew my child best? Me. Who cared about her the most? Me. Who had already taught her so much? Me. What was so special about the magic age of five? Well, there was the issue of reading. Could it be any harder than toilet training? Or sleeping through the night? Maybe not. Would Felicity keep on learning if I kept on teaching? Probably. Questions asked, questions answered. I convinced myself I could do it. But I had a backup plan. Just in case. I reassured myself that Felicity could always start school with the five going-on-six-year-olds the following year, if necessary, and no one would ever know about our failed experiment. I was so excited. I had a real-life student, not a reluctant younger sister, or a row of stuffed teddy bears, but a daughter, and she was going to be brilliant. I just knew it, but I had a lot to learn. I guess all my ideas of education were based on my own experiences of learning. I'd gone to primary schools, high schools, correspondence schools, public schools, private schools, religious schools, co-ed schools, girls' schools. A lot of schools. The only thing I hadn't tried was boarding school. I did beg my mother to let me try this out too, but somehow she couldn't bring herself to let me go. Anyway, I knew all about school, even though I'd hated most of them. I knew nothing about homeschooling. When we set out along the homeschooling pathway, we didn't know any other homeschoolers, apart from my mother, so we went looking for people we could connect up with. We heard about a homeschooling conference, and of course we had to attend. I couldn't wait. The day came and we set off with three children in tow. What a day! I sat enthralled, soaking up everything I heard. The speaker talked at a million miles an hour, pacing around and around the room, waving her arms in emphasis and infecting us all with her bubbling over enthusiasm. It was heady stuff. I came home buzzing. I'd seen the possibilities. Homeschooling was going to be a huge, enormous adventure. I had learnt so much in the space of a day. I had so much more to learn. But one thing was certain. We wouldn't be doing school at home. I wouldn't be sitting our daughter in front of a blackboard. I wouldn't be waving a stick of chalk under her nose as I ordered her to sit still and pay attention. There were other ways. Yes, our first contact with homeschooling wasn't at home school. It wasn't classical education. It wasn't even Charlotte Mason. No, we'd stumbled into a style of homeschooling that was there, right at the cutting edge of alternate education. 
we were going to be unschoolers. I spent the day in the company of pioneer homeschoolers, those brave and forceful mothers who'd lobbied and fought to have the education laws reformed, the women who read John Holt and Growing Without School, and whose children learned and played and discovered and were brilliant. Words danced inside my head, forming sentences. Children learn all the time, not just between the hours of nine and three. They have a natural love of learning. Children don't need to be bribed to learn. They don't need to be threatened with punishment to learn. They cannot help learning when surrounded by a rich environment. Life is learning. Let children lead. Trust your children. Help them. Listen. Respect each other. Enjoy. Have fun. Follow passions. Learn together. Be a family. So much to think about. We became unschoolers. The months passed swiftly. Soon it was the end of the year. So where will Felicity be going to school after Christmas? We're not sending her to school. We're teaching her at home. Oh, we'd done it. We were no longer undercover secret homeschoolers. We had come out in the open. Our friends sort of drifted away. It was inevitable. We were walking different roads, but we didn't want to return to the mainstream. We were headed out on a big adventure. Our feet were firmly treading the homeschooling pathway. We'd followed the sign marked unschooling. What was ahead? A sidetrack was coming in view. We glanced quickly around. No one was looking. We headed down it and away from unschooling. And that's the end of that blog post. But of course, the story continued. But yes, I think that maybe a lot of us have this worry about doing something different, especially with our first child, when everybody around us is sending their kids off to school. And it does seem like a bit of a risk to do something different. And what will everybody say? Will they think that we're strange? Can we really do it? Those were the thoughts that were going through my mind all those years ago. The next part of the story is called Doing Our Own Thing. And in it, I mention a lot of people who influenced our homeschooling. Books that I read by various people, different philosophies that I read about, ideas that I pondered. You will recognize people like Charlotte Mason, Laura Berquist if you're a Catholic homeschooler. Even friends who were further along the pathway than us influenced us. They shared their ideas with us, gave us a lot of things to think about. So, onto the story. Doing our own thing. When Felicity was about six years old, and we had been homeschooling for maybe a year, I met Anna. She lived in a wooden oasis of a house on the top of a hill that led down to the creek and the bush. The house was a warren of fascinating rooms filled with unusual treasures, a real storybook home. And in that storybook home lived a storybook family. We were sure of this. Anna had a beautiful family, polite and charming children who excelled at everything. 
They were musicians and dancers and craftsmen and academics. And they were perfect. An invitation to Anna's house was like an invitation to the palace. We would set out from home full of excitement, knowing we were going to have a fantastic day. Anna would serve Earl Grey tea from fine bone china cups and offer us slices of homemade cake, and we'd sit in her country farm-style kitchen, wiping our lips delicately with real napkins, while feeling very special. Afterwards, we'd descend the stairs to the lounge, and the baby grand piano lid would be lifted, and we'd be treated to a concert where little child fingers would play adult-sized music. While listening, I'd admire the trophies, the exquisite project books full of knowledge, the displayed artworks and crafts. Then someone would suggest putting on a play, and the dress-up box would be raided, and my children would eagerly be dragged along in the wake of their more inventive and creative friends. Later, Anna and I would sit on the deck, which jutted out among the bird-filled trees, while the children played in the homemade wooden cubby house, perched above the steeply descending path that led down to a creekside paradise. And Anna shared, and I listened, eager to pick up tips on how to have such a splendid family. I wanted to be just like Anna and have children just like hers. I enrolled my children in music lessons, then dancing and drama and gymnastics, and filled the house with musical instruments and craft materials, classical music and books. I wanted the same rich, creative environment as my friend. I looked out for opportunities to enter competitions that might lead to a few trophies, and I carefully planned units of study, and I hoped my children would produce impressive, creative project books to show how much they were learning, books that would rival those of Anna's family. And although John Holt may have approved of some of the things we were doing, it was Anna I listened to, not John. When Felicity was nine years old, we moved house. We said a very sad goodbye to Anna and her family. But around the corner, there were more friends waiting to share ideas and influence our way of homeschooling. And one of those people was Helen. Helen was the first Catholic homeschooler I ever met. In the three or four years we'd been teaching our children, we'd never met another Catholic family who was educating their children at home. But we now discovered there was a whole network of Catholics out there quietly educating not only their children's minds, but also their souls. The faith hadn't really played a big part in our homeschooling up to that point. I hadn't really discovered the treasures contained within the church. I hadn't thought too much about what God wanted me to do and how I was going to help my children become the people God intended them to be. Helen introduced me to the treasures of the faith. She also introduced me to Kimberly and Mary Kay, and soon my head was spinning with ideas on how to incorporate a good education for the solid knowledge and love of the Catholic faith. Then one day I met Charlotte, and she shared, and I listened and wondered. She told me about living books, narration, the value of outdoor play, nature study. We discussed dictation and copywork, 
and I loved her concept of ideas and beauty, and providing the right atmosphere, and instilling discipline through good habits. Yes, I liked Charlotte Mason. But before I knew it, Laura had joined us at our homeschooling table. Laura Burquist convinced me that I wanted children who could think and analyze and reason critically. I pondered memorization, the different stages and the tools of learning. Now I wanted to be Charlotte, or maybe Laura. Which one? These were exciting times as I read and pondered and experimented. My homeschooling method swung this way and that and then back again. But one day I realized I had left both Charlotte and Laura behind. We were doing our own thing. I'd stopped reading and pondering and looking for the perfect method of homeschooling. I no longer had the time or the energy or the interest. We were too busy living our lives. We slipped into a way of learning that felt comfortable, that seemed to work for us as a family. And I knew that, that although I'd made a lot of new friends along our homeschooling journey, friends who'd given me some very valuable ideas, it was time to be me, Sue. I wasn't Anna, or Charlotte, or Mary Kay, or Laura, or anyone. Our days were enjoyable and fun. Our children were learning and growing. We'd get up each morning and follow our noses, experiencing real life, having learning adventures, not always knowing what we'd do, where, where we'd end up, or what we'd discover. No big plans, just life. And I felt at peace. Well, most of the time. Just occasionally, I'd feel a little bit guilty. Was life too easy? Why didn't I have any battles trying to get my children to learn? Perhaps I wasn't pushing them hard enough. I wondered, was doing our own thing other words for being lazy? Were my children really becoming the people God wanted them to be? Would they be prepared for the jobs God wanted them to do? Maybe I was jeopardizing their futures. Perhaps we needed to be more structured, plan our days better, and make a few concrete goals. So at the end of every year, when the long summer holidays rolled round and I had a bit of time to read and think, I'd say to myself, I really must do some more research, buy a few new books and plan the schoolwork better. But every holiday passed without me ever quite getting round to making those new plans to homeschool in a different way. And we had just slipped back into our usual routine when the new school year resumed. We continued to do our own thing. But what was our own thing? I wasn't sure until I met Susie. Yes, I had quite finished with books and pondering. I had one more friend to meet. Susie Andres. I read her book, Homeschooling with Gentleness, A Catholic Discovers Unschooling. And then I wondered, could we have gone full circle and ended up back as unschoolers? But not quite full circle. Could we be Catholic unschoolers? I really want you to meet Susie Andres. In her own special way, she will tell you all about Catholic unschooling, that gentle and little way of educating our children. I hope you will return to hear more. Do I want to be Susie like I wanted to be Charlotte and Laura? No, I could never be Susie, that warm and beautiful soul. But I can be me. Sue Elvis, who still knows her children and their needs better than anyone else in the world, and who now has the confidence, thanks to Susie, to continue 
doing her own thing. In between that story and the previous one, there is a lot of other things that I didn't say. We didn't quite get to doing our own thing that easily. It wasn't just a case of pondering this and pondering that and gradually changing our ideas. I did hang on to those other philosophies for quite some time and I did swap between them a lot, trying one and then another and then going back to the first. And the reason I did that was because none of those methods of homeschooling really suited our family. We'd end up battling. My kids didn't want to do what I expected of them. I wasn't happy either. I spent far too much time worrying about what other people thought of our homeschooling, fulfilling outside expectations, making my children miserable while I was trying to please other people. I didn't listen very well to my children. So it does sound like we got to the stage of doing our own thing very easily. But we didn't. And I have written about that in other blog posts, and I hope to share some of those with you as well. Perhaps I've got time to share the very first one of those posts. It's one of my favorite posts, maybe because it makes me feel grateful for where we ended up. It does bring back a few bad memories of the difficult days, the days where I tried to impose my ideas on my children. But it has a very happy ending, so maybe that's why I like it. So this is the last story that I'm going to share with you today. I hope that you do enjoy it. And if you are thinking about unschooling, maybe this is a good post to listen to. Time to unschool. Gemma Rose had a loose front tooth. Every spare moment she had, she could be found, fingers in her mouth, wiggling and twisting and turning that little tooth. Soon it was hanging by a thread. At lunchtime, two days ago, it finally fell out after one bite of her sandwich, much to my youngest daughter's delight and relief. She presented it to me on the palm of her hand, as if it were a trophy, as if she'd achieved something tremendous. And of course, we all congratulated her and shared in her happy moment. You can write a blog post about your tooth, someone suggested. You'll need some photos, someone else added. I'll get the camera. Gemma Rose obligingly opened her mouth wide in a huge grin and snap, snap. This childhood milestone was captured forever. Gemma Rose looks so cute. My mother's heart goes soft and gooey looking at her. I just want to pick her up and hug and kiss her. I guess you are wondering what all this has to do with unschooling. It's all to do with time. We have been homeschooling nearly 20 years. Wow. That looks a long time when you write the number down, but it doesn't feel like a long time. Only yesterday, we were undercover homeschoolers, teaching our first child behind closed doors. And the day after tomorrow, our last child will be off into the wide world, ready to live her own life. Or oh, that's how it feels. 
Let's go back to yesterday. Felicity sometimes complains she was the guinea pig child. I know how she feels. I was the oldest child in my family too. I was a guinea pig child myself. Yes, her upbringing and the way we homeschooled her was a bit of an experiment. I guess it's that way with most first children. I remember the day we brought Felicity home from the hospital. I gathered her in my arms, that tiny, tightly wrapped bundle of newborn baby, and I walked out through the hospital doors rather hesitantly, expecting to be stopped any moment. Excuse me, madam, but we can't just let you walk out of here with that baby. Where's your experience? Do you know how to bring up a baby? She's too precious to be given to just anyone. But of course, no one stopped me. Felicity belonged to us, and it was our job to discover the best way of raising her. We did our best, and she survived the first five years, despite our rather bumbling style of parenting. And then the day arrived when we had to consider her education. I've already told you our homeschooling story, from undercover homeschoolers to Catholic unschoolers. It wasn't a perfect pathway. Sometimes I wish I could go right back to the beginning and do it all over again properly. I guess a lot of people feel this way about a lot of things. I think about those up and down years as we try to gain experience and confidence and find the best way to educate our children. It wasn't easy. Quite often I felt so stressed out trying to do what was right for my children. I had to be not only the best mother, but the best homeschooling mother. And I didn't really know how I was to achieve that. At times, I felt such a sense of responsibility. I felt as if I were carrying a huge burden. There were days when I'd crack. If you don't do your schoolwork, if you don't learn this or that, if you don't try, I will send you to school. I can't take any more. I'd rush out the back door and sit on the garden wall, my head pounding, my heart racing. I'd kept my children home so we could enjoy each other, so I could give the best to my children. And some days we didn't enjoy anything at all. The baby would be crying, the toddler was demanding, and I didn't seem to have the energy to encourage the older ones along, to make them do the work I thought they should be doing. I didn't enjoy feeling so tired and helpless and frustrated. I felt I was failing both as a mother and a homeschooling parent. Was it worth it? Should I just carry out my threat and send my children to school? But I couldn't quite do it. I knew this job of raising and educating my children was mine alone, and I had to find a way that worked. After some time sitting on my sun-drenched wall, trying to calm down, with my children peering anxiously out the window at their dragon mother. I'd return and force a smile on my face, saying, Grab the picnic basket and make some sandwiches. We're going bushwalking. Worried expressions would instantly disappear, and everyone would fly around the kitchen gathering the necessary supplies. Part of me would think, You should make them return to the work they didn't complete. What kind of lesson are you teaching them? But most of me didn't care. I just wanted to forget all the problems, 
leave them behind at home and set out on an adventure. Soon we'd be tramping down the bush track, taking turns carrying the baby and swinging the toddler along, and I would look at my kids with love and think, this is what it's all about. Joy had returned to the day. I'd come home thinking, I want to homeschool my children, but I don't want to fight with them. They won't learn anything in an atmosphere of conflict, and our relationship will be ruined. We are a family, and a family should be a place of love, joy, encouragement, support, and peace, as well as a place of growth and learning. Gradually, I was discovering what was really important, and gradually, I rejected anything that led us away from that close and happy relationship that I knew was the most important thing in the world. I realized that a lot of what was causing our conflict was other people's expectations and timetables. My children had to do this, that, and the other, not because it fulfilled their needs, but because someone, not very important, expected them to achieve this or that. Worse, sometimes this or that had to be achieved by a particular age, and sometimes I brought trouble upon myself. I simply wanted my children to do certain things to impress certain, not very important, people. Also, our homeschooling routine didn't take into account the needs of our little people. Either I taught the older children, or I looked after the younger ones. I couldn't seem to do both at the same time. But we learn with prayer and time and experience, and God leads us onto new and better ways. He is so good. I eventually let go of all those expectations imposed on us from outside. I have learnt to listen to my children. I am trusting them and myself and God. We are homeschooling the gentle way, the little way, the unschooling way. The children are learning, but not at the expense of our family relationships. And so here we are, after nearly 20 years, our last child seven years old. And my problem these days isn't finding a method that works for our family. No, our problem is time. Time that passes so quickly. The day after tomorrow will arrive very soon, and my homeschooling days will be over. So I have to make every moment count. I have to live for today and enjoy every minute. And how I wish I could have had the confidence to do that with our first child. What should we do this morning? I asked my younger two girls. They look longingly at the book that's lying on the coffee table. Could you start ballet shoes, Mum? I remember this old childhood friend and settled down, with the girls snuggled up one on each side. Soon we are absorbed in the tale, with me reading and an occasional question from Gemma Rose. What's the fossil, Mum? I come to the end of the first chapter. Oh, couldn't you read just a bit more, Mum? Please. Both girls have pleading looks on their faces. Who could resist? Later, my throat dry and my voice scratchy, I finally close the book. And Gemma Rose smiles. She opens her mouth wide, and I see the gap 
where once she had a tooth. She looks so cute. I just want to hug her and kiss her. I think about time and how it passes so quickly. Soon I won't have a little girl. And I reach out and I pull Gemma Rose onto my lap and close my eyes and I enjoy. Yes, I said in that story that we've been homeschooling 20 years. Well, this is now our 26th year of homeschooling. And Gemma Rose is no longer seven. She is 13. No longer a little girl. She is a teenager. And I am enjoying her still. I still get so much pleasure from her and all my other children. I try to take each day at a time and enjoy the delights of each and every day. But yes, Time does pass too quickly, and we are that few more years along the homeschooling pathway. It won't be that long before all of my children are grown up. I am so glad that we found our way to unschooling. I would love to hear your unschooling story, your homeschooling story. Where are you along the pathway? Are you just setting out? Are you partway along? Are you still learning like we are? Do you feel a sense of peace and joy from where you are right at this moment? So please come along to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, or my Facebook page of the same name. Stop by, say hello, leave me a comment. I'd love to hear from you. And if you would like to read any of those blog posts for yourselves, then I will leave links in this week's show notes. So this is the end of my special edition of my podcast, Our Homeschooling Story. By the time you listen to this, it will be Easter weekend. So I want to wish everybody a very happy Easter. And I'm hoping to have another podcast for you for the week after Easter. Please join me then for another blog post podcast. And until then, thank you for listening. And remember to trust, respect, and love unconditionally. 